Welcome to the Lead On Podcast. This is Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, talking with you once again about practical issues related to ministry leadership. Well, our family has had a long-standing commitment to and involvement with church planting. As many of you know, our first endeavor of church planting was Pathway Church near Portland, Oregon in 1989, where I was the founding pastor. But subsequent to that, uh, our family has been involved in church planting in a number of different ways. We assisted with two different church plants in the San Francisco area, and now in the Los Angeles area, we're assisting with our second church plant this month. Our church, Mount Zion Church of Ontario, has been expanding its ministry by starting additional churches that, while they still maintain some connection with the main church, really are designed to be new expressions of gospel witness in communities and to grow into their own identities as congregations. So while we haven't left Mount Zion, we have left it for a little while as we're now helping to launch the second new church out of Mount Zion uh, during our tenure there as members. We're part of City Connect Church starting in Fontana, and we're grateful to be doing that. Now, as a part of church planting, uh, a significant emphasis must be placed on evangelism. You know, attracting Christians from other churches is not really expanding God's kingdom and is not the strategy for church planting that we want to employ. And so uh, I've been talking with our pastor about the importance of prioritizing evangelism in these early months of our new church plant and really aggressively working to reach more and more lost people with the gospel. Now, a part of that is praying for people in relationship to evangelism and relationship to salvation. Which leads me to the theme of the podcast for today. I want to talk with you today about the role of prayer in evangelism. Now, this all started for me a number of years ago when I was simply asked a very basic question. What does the Bible say about praying for people to be saved? Or more broadly, What does the Bible say about prayer related to evangelism? And so I made a study of that. I started studying the instructions to pray in the Bible and the the recorded prayers that are found in the New Testament. So I ultimately narrowed my focus just to the New Testament because it's really focusing on evangelism, and I thought that that would be most appropriate. And I discovered at least five examples in the New Testament where we are either given specific instruction about how to pray in relationship to evangelism, or there's actually a prayer recorded that was specifically related to evangelism or to more people coming to faith in Jesus Christ. So I actually created a prayer guide using these five passages of Scripture, And I have used it from time to time over the years to shape and guide my praying related to evangelism. And in fact, I used it again this morning. As I'm praying for our new church plant and I'm praying for our pastor and for the work that we have to do of evangelizing the lost in a particular area that we're trying to reach with the gospel, I felt one of my best contributions would be to pray these passages of Scripture in relationship to our church and to our pastor at this critical time of church planting. But then as I was praying through my prayer guide and what I had created some years ago, I thought how helpful it might be for me to share this same guide with all of you and to give you some uh, insight and example into the role of prayer in evangelism. 
And I invite you to take this guide and use it in your church, in your prayer meeting, in your public worship services, however you may want to use it to enhance the prayer that your church is making in the, in relationship to evangelism. So uh, without further ado, let's get into the text of these passages of Scripture and see what the Bible has to say to us. The first thing the Bible teaches is that we must pray for more people to start witnessing. Pray for more people to start witnessing. And you can find this in Matthew chapter 9, beginning in verse 35. The Bible says, Then Jesus went to all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them, because they were weary and worn out like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. So the first prayer about evangelism is actually a prayer that results from this instruction by Jesus in which he told us to ask the Lord of the harvest to send out more workers into the harvest. So our first prayer related to evangelism is this, Lord, send more Christians into this community to share the gospel. Now, this reality of helping more Christians go into community and share the gospel became very real to me a number of years ago. When I first started out as a pastor, I was preaching uh, and witnessing and doing all that I could to communicate the gospel to as many people as possible. Now, I won't say I was like Jesus or anything like that, but I was trying to follow the example of Jesus outlined in this passage. Jesus went places, towns and villages, teaching in synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, healing diseases and sickness. He was working as hard as he could to reach more and more people with his message. But when then confronted with what it was going to take to get that message to even more people, Jesus said, what I need are more people to go into the community with my message. In other words, Jesus said, I don't need to go more places. I need more people to go more places on my behalf. So I was trying to follow the example of Jesus. I was going into the community. I was sharing the gospel. I was preaching and teaching and doing all I could to win many more people to faith in Jesus. And one Sunday, I preached a particularly blistering sermon uh, attacking my church members for not doing more to support the work of sharing the gospel in our community. Now, when I finished that sermon, a man stepped up to me right after I stepped off the platform and said, don't ever do that to me again. I said, do what? And he said, don't ever preach at me about something you've never taught me how to do. Well, this particular brother that was one of my strongest supporters, my most loyal friends, and also one of the most mature Christians in our church. And for him to confront me like this was really quite startling, but also really got my attention. He said, don't ever do this to me again. Don't preach at me about something you've never taught me how to do. So I took a giant step back from that sermon and from that experience, and I realized that while I was supposed to do all I could to get the gospel to as many people as possible, I also had a responsibility to train, teach, and motivate others 
who would go into the community and share the gospel with me. So I started a very intentional evangelism training program in that church. Now, this program was set up to, be fu- to function on semesters, and it was, function to se- it was set up to function with both small group instruction and one-on-one instruction, and then to go out and do uh, on-the-job training and witnessing. And so I set this program up and uh, operated it for several years in that church and saw a significant cadre of people join me in sharing the gospel. Now, as a result of my work and my prayers, God did raise up many more people to go into the harvest with me. In fact, it was really a culminating experience when three years later, I was gone for an entire month for doctoral studies. Uh, I would only come home on Saturdays, preach on Sundays, and then go right back to the seminary for my week-long seminars. This went on for a month. And that month, we had 23 adults come forward in our worship service and profess their faith in Jesus Christ. And not one of them, not one of them was a person that I had led to faith in Jesus. Every one of them was someone that had been led to faith in Jesus by someone in our church that I had trained over the previous three years. So the first thing we should pray about in relationship to winning more people to faith in Jesus Christ is we have to ask God to send more laborers into the harvest, more workers into the community, more people to go out and do this work of evangelism. And then, as a part of being the answer to our own prayer, we have to take seriously our responsibility to train people to share the gospel. So that, my friends, is the first prayer and the means to the answering of that prayer. Well, here's the second one. Second thing I learned is that we must pray for more opportunities to share the gospel. In Colossians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, uh, Paul wrote this. He said, At the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door to us for the message to speak the mystery of the Messiah. What do we pray? Pray that God may open a door for us to speak the message. So, This means that we must pray for opportunities to share the gospel. Now, as I've prayed about this over the years, I've shaped my praying slightly differently than just praying for open doors to share the gospel. Now I pray that God would give me the spiritual sensitivity to recognize those open doors when they occur and the spiritual alertness to share the gospel in the moment. Now, in another context, I've taught a seminar on this very issue. How do you recognize these open doors of opportunity? And I summarize it with these four phrases. People die, health fails, relationships struggle, and things break. When any one of these four things happens in the life of a person in your community, they are open for a gospel conversation. Step in and share the gospel or as much of the gospel as you can in that moment. Pray for spiritual alertness to pay attention to the challenges and struggles and difficulties people are having and to step in to those conversations in those moments. You know, it's sometimes really easy to become a spiritual dullard on these issues and to think nobody really wants to talk about the gospel, nobody really wants to hear anything about these issues. A number of years ago, 
a baseball player named Barry uh, asked if he could talk to me and would uh, wondered if he could if he could ask me some spiritual questions. Well, uh, I said, sure, I'd be glad to meet with you. But quite frankly, I wasn't really looking forward to it. This particular player had a lot of New Age background. He'd read a lot of New Age religion. He always had a lot of really weird thoughts and ideas and questions. And the few conversations I had had with him in the past were very frustrating. So when he asked for another conversation, I thought, eh, whatever. Yeah, I'll have it, but I wasn't really all that spiritually interested or alert in the moment. So we sat down together, and I said, well, you said you had some questions. And he said, yeah, here's my first question. What does it mean to be born again? And is that anything like having your sins forgiven? Well, even I could recognize the spiritual interest in that question. And so suddenly I went from a spiritual dullard not really interested in the conversation, to being on full spiritual alert. Well, those are a little easier to recognize, but now let me tell you about another baseball-related situation. Back when I was working with the San Francisco Giants, one of the people who worked for the ball club had the responsibility of doing the laundry. Not a very glamorous job, but a necessary one to keep the ball club moving. So one day I went to spring training and I wandered back into the bowels of the stadium where all that kind of work took place. And I stepped into the laundry room where there's uh, several big washers and four big dryers and all those machines are going at once. And this particular man is standing there folding towels. And I said, hey, man, how you doing? He said, "Uh, not so good. I said, really? He said, yeah, I got some stuff going on, you know, different issues. And so he started telling me a little bit about those. Now, it would have been very easy in that moment to just uh, kind of give him some spiritual platitudes. Well, God will help you, or I'm sure God will see you through, or something like that. But instead, God helped me to be more spiritually alert in that moment and to recognize that this fellow, while he was doing laundry, just opening that door a little bit and telling me that he was struggling, that he was having some difficulty, that life wasn't going very well, was actually a door of opportunity for the gospel. And so... Standing there in that laundry room with the dryers twirling around behind us, I started sharing the gospel and talking about how God can make a difference in his life in a very personal way through Jesus Christ. Now, I'd like to tell you that he became a Christian that day. He did not. But he he did listen to the gospel and hear me share it and understand what it would mean for him to commit his life to Jesus Christ. So a second way to pray related to evangelism is to pray for more opportunities to share the gospel, and as a companion to that, to pray for the spiritual alertness we need, the spiritual sensitivity we need, to recognize these opportunities when they present themselves to us. Now, it might be a player or a person saying to you, hey, I've got some questions, and asking you a very direct spiritual question like my friend Barry did. But it might also be like this other man, just a person standing in a laundry room, folding towels, who opens himself up spiritually by sharing a little bit about the struggles he's having and then me having the sensitivity to step into into those struggles by walking through that open door of opportunity and sharing the gospel. Well, here's a third way to pray related to evangelism. We must pray for bold insight into sharing the gospel in today's world. Pray for bold insight in sharing the gospel. In Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 19, Paul wrote this. He said, Pray also for me, that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth, to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. Pray that I might be bold enough in him 
to speak as I should. Now, this prayer request from Paul, asking the Ephesian church to pray for him, is an acknowledgement that we all need wisdom to know how to share the gospel in the context we find ourselves today. Paul said, pray for me, that when I open my mouth, I will be able to make known the, bold, the boldness, uh, the mystery of the gospel. That when I open my mouth, the message may be given to me, and that I might have a boldness in proclaiming or declaring that message. You know, I obviously believe in evangelism training. I've been doing it most of my life, and we certainly do it here at the seminary. But one of the myths of evangelism training is that it's possible to learn the answer to every question, the approach that's needed for every circumstance, to memorize a presentation that will be applicable in any situation or condition. Those things simply are not true. It's impossible to memorize an answer to every objective, to learn a scripture verse for every concern, to learn a, a clever way of communicating the gospel in any circumstance. It's just not possible because there's so many variables in talking to people about what it means to follow Jesus. One of my favorite stories of this happened to my wife a number of years ago when we were living in San Francisco. I was at the ballpark doing a baseball chapel, and Ann was coming to the ballpark to meet up with me, and so she decided to come uh, on public transportation. She was riding the bus. She got on the bus. She sat down by a young woman and turned and smiled, as my wife always does. And my wife, the kindest person I know, spoke to this young woman and said simply, Hi, how are you today? And this young woman uh, engaged my wife in conversation, and they carried on a protracted conversation that lasted for about 30 minutes on this bus ride into the city of San Francisco. When Anne arrived at the ballpark and told me about this, she said, I sat down by a young woman, all dressed in black, wearing a lot of dark makeup. I struck up a conversation with her, and in that conversation, she informed me that she was a Jewish lesbian witch. And when she told me these things, Anne said to me, when she told me these things, I thought, I've never had any training on sharing the gospel with a Jewish lesbian witch. I don't remember a seminar on that. Don't remember a book or a pamphlet or a track. Never heard a podcast on that one. But Anne said, when she told me that, I just sent up a quick prayer and said, Lord, help me. Help me know how to share the gospel in this moment. Anne was praying the same prayer that Paul prayed in Ephesians chapter 6. He prayed, Lord, let the message be given to me. Lord, when I open my mouth, help me make known with boldness the gospel. Lord, when I speak, help me speak boldly. My wife prayed the same prayer on that bus that day in San Francisco. Lord, I don't know what to say to this young woman. I don't know how to communicate clearly with a Jewish lesbian witch, but help me. And then Anne said, I just started talking and sharing the gospel as best I could. And she listened, engaged fully, was open to what I had to say. And I was able to share the gospel with her and present to her what it meant for her to have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Now, 
you'll find yourself in the world today in all kinds of witnessing situation for which there is no manual. There's no training seminar. There's nothing that could have been done to prepare you for the moment. So when that happens, pray like Paul. Lord, help me when I open my mouth to speak boldly. Help me when I open my mouth to speak the message of the gospel. And Lord, help me when I open my mouth to say something that really does connect in this particular context. Well, another prayer is in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1. Paul, again writing to the Thessalonians, said this. Finally, he wrote, pray for us, brothers, that the Lord's message may spread rapidly and be honored. Well, this is a good prayer for all of us related to the gospel in our communities, and that is that we pray that the Lord's message, that the gospel might spread rapidly and be honored. You know, this seems impossible. It really does seem impossible in today's world that the gospel would spread rapidly. And yet, This prayer request is found here in 2 Thessalonians 3, and quite frankly, when you look at the book of Acts and other record of the gospel's advance in church history, you can see that there have been times when the gospel has exploded across a community and has spread rapidly. You know, sometimes I think our strategies and our expectations mitigate against rapid gospel expansion. We say very carefully, oh, I I want that person to think about the gospel for months, and I want that person to be sure they're making the right decision. And once they claim to become a Christian, I want to test that for a long time before I'm willing to let them be baptized. I, I want to measure these converts very carefully and very closely. You know, that really isn't what Paul prayed for in 2 Thessalonians 3. He said that the gospel would spread rapidly rapidly. What would it look like if 50 people came to faith in Jesus in your community this week, or 500 this month, or 5,000 this year? Praying for this kind of gospel expansion causes us to redefine our expectations and to look toward what God might accomplish and how he might accomplish it as we work to see the gospel expanding across communities. You know, I'm, I'm glad when any one individual is saved, but I long, I long to see the gospel expand more rapidly. And so I'm praying for it to happen. I'm praying for the gospel to expand rapidly across communities, including the community where I live. Well, we've been through four different either instructions to pray or prayers, and I'll review those in just a minute, but Let's talk about the final one first. The fifth and final prayer, our instruction to pray, is very simple. We must pray for people to be saved. Romans 10.1, Paul exclaimed, Brothers, my heart's desire and earnest prayer to God concerning Israel is for their salvation. I'm praying that Israelites will be saved. Simply put, pray for people to be saved. By name, individually, calling them out before God. 
You know, when you go to a typical prayer meeting, it has a lot to do with physical health. Nothing wrong with that. People are hurting. They want to be healed. There's not anything wrong with praying for those kinds of things. But I'll just ask you this. When's the last time you went to a prayer meeting and you heard someone say, pray for my cousin, Leroy, that he will come to faith in Jesus Christ. Pray for my coworker, Bob, that he will be saved. Pray for my mom, Juanita, that she'll come to faith in Jesus. When's the last time in a prayer meeting you heard people calling out the names of lost people and asking God to save them. You say, is that biblical? Sure it is. Paul said, my heart's desire for Israel. I'm praying for the Israelites to be saved. Pray for people to be saved. Pray for them by name, individually, to come to faith in Jesus Christ. You know, when I was a pastor, one of the strategies we had was to develop a prayer ministry in our church that supported our evangelistic work. Now, there are always people who, for one reason or another, can't be very aggressively involved in evangelistic activity. They can't go out and make visits. They really can't work in projects anymore. They're, they're just not physically able or are uh, capable of being out there doing this kind of witnessing we're describing. But they can pray. They can pray. And so our church maintained a constant prayer list of people that we were asking to be saved, and we kept that information up to date, and we kept that prayer warrior group praying, and remarkably, you know what happened. The people who were saved through the ministry of our church, many of them, many of them were the very people we were praying for by name to come to faith in Jesus Christ. Well, here are five ways to pray in relationship to evangelism. First, pray for more people to start witnessing. Jesus said that we're to pray for more workers to join the harvest, and as a part of the answer to our own prayers, we should create strategies to train, facilitate, encourage, and support people as they go into their communities with the gospel. So first of all, pray for more people to start witnessing. And then, Pray for more opportunities to share the gospel. Pray for those open doors of opportunity where people express a willingness to hear the gospel and we have the spiritual sensitivity, the alertness, if you will, to step through those doors of opportunity and share the gospel with other people. And then next, of course, pray for bold insight into how to share the gospel today. You will not be able to memorize all the objections, all the verses, all the possibilities of all the things that people will say to you in the context of a gospel conversation. So simply pray and say, Lord, put, in, put the words in my mouth, put the thoughts in my mind, and give me a boldness to speak up your gospel in whatever context I find myself. And then four, pray for the gospel to spread more rapidly. Pray that the gospel would spread not one by one by one, but dozens by dozens by dozens. Let's ask God to more rapidly expand the gospel in our communities. And then finally, pray for people to be saved. Make a list of people that you're concerned about, that you want to come to faith in Jesus, and pray for them to be saved by name, specifically, calling them out to God, 
and asking him to save them. These are five prayers that I've used over the years to help me pray in relationship to evangelism. This prayer guide that I created has been a, has been a helpful tool to me. I've used it over and over again, and as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, I started my morning today, my devotional time, praying for our new church plant that these things would be true. I prayed that at City Connect Church there'd be more people going into the community and sharing the gospel than ever before. I prayed that God would open doors of opportunity for the gospel and give us bold wisdom to know how to share the gospel in our context. And I prayed that the gospel would spread more rapidly, that we might see wave after wave after wave of gospel witness sweep through our community. And finally, finally, I prayed that God would put individuals on our heart as we get acquainted in this community and that we would start praying by name for them to come to faith in Jesus Christ. So that's my prayer guide in relationship to evangelism. It's a result of my study of the New Testament and specific prayers or instructions to pray about evangelism, and it's a tool I've used over the years. I offer it to you today as an encouragement, as a resource, and hopefully as a motivation to increase our prayer in relationship to evangelism that we might see the gospel expand more rapidly through our efforts. Put this into practice as you lead on.